0: looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: And see how far that she had to travel so many millenniums ago to a city named Rome. And so she was taking that letter of Rome for the first time. Now, when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, that's really neat, a very important letter. I get that. She's going over there. I want you to think of it a different way. In her luggage, she carried the Magna Carta of the faith. She just didn't carry a list of hellos from Paul. She carried a firsthand Bible with her right from Paul's mouth through his secretary who wrote it from the heart and mind of God. And she carried that, Phoebe. Now, Phoebe is an interesting name because it also has a name that could relate to Diana, goddess of the Ephesians. And it's possible that she was a Gentile believer. And yet she carried the great truth to the people at Rome. Now, notice how she's identified. Paul then looks at her and he says this. Okay, she's a, I love it. Starts right out. She's a sister. And you know, um, I think we need to see the ladies in our church as someone very special to us. They're a sister in Christ. So we not only have a special relationship to them, but we protect them. and We help them. And it says a servant of the church at Rome. The word servant there is uh, kind of a, a neuter, which means it's not masculine or, or, or feminine, which some people believe that that could refer to maybe a title or an office in the church. And that's where we get the word deaconess. So in some churches, they would actually establish an office known as deaconess, taken often from this passage of Scripture, where special women that meet special biblical godly qualities and testimony are vetted to help in a very special way. I think you might be able to do that. I don't know that you want to extrapolate and say that's exactly what it's saying, but that's generally what is assumed right there. But in any case, it does mean servant. And so she was a sister, and she was a servant, and then later on, you'll see where it says, and has been a helper of many and of myself. There are different words in the Greek that mean helper. Okay, that's the language that the Bible was written in before it was translated into English for us today. But that word helper, they had different ones. One is a helper like just an all menial nobody helper. This was a word helper that was often used in the Greek language that meant that it was a dignified office of a helper. And I would like to think that as I went through this passage of Scripture, the lengthy passage, that Paul never saw anybody having an menial. that's just a nothing, you're just a, a little dirty helper over here. No, that he saw every helper using that Greek word as a person that has dignity. A phrase you'll hear me use a lot. Everybody is somebody in his body. And so he would look at this woman and say, yep, she's our sister, but she's not just our sister. That's a close relationship. She's also a servant. But more than just a servant, her service resulted in us being helped. And to look at a person like that. So you know what that tells me? That you women in this church, I want you to be affirmed. And I believe we work hard at affirming you that you do have a role. Now, there are certain roles that Scripture then, I believe, clearly says that would not fit for you. And that's all right. That doesn't mean you're less. That's just a different role. But in many ways, you can serve. Women have been tremendously gifted with even gifts of leadership. They've been gifted with certain personalities. And with all of that, we can affirm them just like the Apostle Paul did. And especially those women who knew how to live their life guided by the principles of God's word for his glory. So this is a wonderful woman. And I pray that we would look at women in ministry and hold them in high esteem just like they did as well. That we would receive them but like they've helped us that we would in turn to see what can we do to lighten your load? Well, now we move from this single woman here and particularly a woman in ministry. And there are others that are here. I just picked this one out in the outline, but let's go to the next verse, verse three. This gets really good because now we're gonna talk about people that he's also looking at as very important people in their life. And he wanted to make sure that they were recognized. So we're just gonna talk about the ones that are married now. It says, greet Prisca." Well, that would be our maybe Priscilla today. Do you know anybody named Priscilla? Anybody know anybody named Priscilla? Probably named very similar to Prisca, although they call her Priscilla today. And then Aquila. Know anybody named Aquila? Just this guy in the Bible. I don't know anybody named Aquila, but that was the name. Now, it's not so important that I try to give you what their name means, but look a little bit further. He says, I want you to greet this husband and wife team, my fellow workers in Christ, and that is so cool that I want you to mark your notes and say that I want to read in the book of Acts and I want to follow the testimony of Priscilla and Aquila just to know how sharp they were. They were so good that they knew how to come alongside someone who was teaching doctrine, not clearly, mostly not correctly, but not clearly, but did have a passion for God and how that they wisely, privately pulled that couple aside, that man aside, who was like the Chuck Swindoll of those days, not so much in and Doctrine, but in his ability to communicate. And they quietly but very lovingly told them the truth. More, a husband and wife did that together. But it goes further, and it says this: who for my life risked their own necks. To whom not only do I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Let me ask you a question: Do you have a brother or sister in Christ in your life that has your back? That has your back. I think there's nothing better in more encouraging than on a pastoral staff that the two pastors have each other's back. I'm going to explain what that looks like and what that means. The good news is my pastor, my friend, is Dennis Mendoza. Now, the good thing about Pastor Dennis is that he's so easy to talk with and that he talks to us so kindly and lovingly, and he has. If you have your back, you don't just defend him and let that person walk off a cliff, you help them. Pastor Dennis is the kind of guy that if I had cancer, I'd want him to tell me, because he do it so lovingly and so tenderly. I look at Pastor Dennis, and together we have this very unusual personality. I'm the bad cop, and he's the good cop, okay? You're laughing because it's true. That's generally how it is. But together we work so well. Another thing about it is that nothing can divide us. Oh, we may see the weaknesses, or I like to use the term, the uniquenesses of each other, and we've learned how to maybe compensate for the other. And so we've learned to work together. I'd been here about a year, and a person who was a part of the church when there was conflicts and things going on that I heard about, don't know if they were true, but this guy felt there was before I came in. He said, how come there's so much harmony in the body today? And I said, I think the reason we have such a healthy church is because no one can divide Stan and Dennis. They can bring things about the others to one another but, and we'll work those things through, but there's that mutual respect for one another. They had each other's back. And I think about this couple right here. They risked their necks for Paul. They were willing to risk it for Paul. And this couple was so good they didn't play favorites. Well, I'll do it for Paul, but not for others because the rest of the verse says, and also for the other churches. So my question to you is, are you willing to risk your life your testimony, your reputation, what others might think, for you to stand with someone or others for truth and righteousness? How much of your life will you be willing to risk for them? I read a story that I never heard before, and I've been following a a lot of those stories, as many of you have, about 9-11, remember that, and all those first responders that went into the building to try to do what they could to bring out the people that were kind of trapped in the burning building when the plane hit it and destroyed it. One of the stories I heard was about a particular police officer. She ran into the building while people were coming down. She ran up the building stairs, and then she very carefully and quietly got as many people as she could and started to bring them down the stairs. The police dispatcher that was following the different men and women that were inside this building He talked to this gal, and he said she was so calm as she was carefully walking the people down. Then they lost contact, and much time later, when they finally could get into the rubble, all they found was her name badge, her name, and her badge, and she ran into risking her life to bring people out, and here's the most interesting thing about it is that she was the only NYPD officer that was a woman who died in the Twin Tower destruction. And so I would like to be that kind of person for you. I would like to have your back. I would like to risk my neck for you. And back in those Bible days, they really did need each other because the opposition really went after each other's necks. And I don't want to get too prophetic here, but I do believe we're living in the last days and I do understand that things are getting worse and you're going to see more opposition against Christianity every year, every decade. It's going to get worse and worse. So it would be good for us to practice now watching each other's backs. And so we see this married couple doing that. Oh, how special that really is. Paul was interested in them. He prayed for them. He cared for them. I guess I'd like to say this and I need to move on to the next person and see how much time we're running out here. But listen, See people as a couple. Sometimes we see people only as individuals, but when I look at you, I want to see you as a couple. And let me encourage husbands and wives, because Prisca and Aquila, interesting, she's always named first. Usually it's Stan and Carol. Rarely do you hear Carol and Stan, but always you hear Prisca and Aquila. She's mentioned first. That's good to ponder. Maybe she was the one that had the more outgoing personality, the more dominant one, and he was quiet, silent but deadly kind of guy, you know. He was good. She she led maybe a little bit. But that being said, watch. They serve the Lord together. If you're a husband and wife, is your is the husband carrying most of the weight? And how about you wives? How much weight are you carrying? I taught a men's group in man came up afterwards and said, you know, 30 years ago, I wanted to go into ministry, but my family really came against me. And he said, I never went to ministry. And now my wife is on board. And I can tell you, this couple who is now retired goes all over the world as missionaries in the second half of their life. He never goes without her. They go together. On the other side, let me say this, men. It's more the case that the women are the ones out in front. The wives are the ones that are carrying the flag, bearing that torch, Running up those stairs in the tower, so to speak. And the husbands are coming along lately with one excuse after another. I don't have anybody in mind, so don't go home and say, he's talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm about anybody. The Holy Spirit might be talking to you. I don't know, but anyway, get back to this. The point still being is, serve the Lord together. Now watch. One may have the microphone, one may have more of the flexibility to be around people, to be seen serving the Lord, and the other one isn't seen so much. That doesn't mean the one that's not seen or heard very often is not serving the Lord. So be very careful you don't judge. So don't look at other couples. Just ask yourself, and maybe this afternoon or this evening, sit down in a nice quiet place without any negative energy and just say together, how can we together be seen as a team Now I don't want to leave you single people out because I don't want you to think you're better if you're married necessarily. What I want you to look at is that whether you're single or married that you're full on for God. And what he's doing now is he's not telling them get with the program, get with the program. Look at these people, get with the program. All he's saying is look what these people did. greet them. And I'd love to do that too. I'd love to say something about all of you and how much you meant to the body of Christ here because you have done a lot. Could we all do more? Yep especially the one here at this podium. We all could do more. But let's love each other, just like he did. Well, he moves a little bit further. i got a couple more moments, so let me just go a little bit further. He moves away from the married couple. Uh, but I, I, he, he says, but also greet those that are in their house, which means they're serving of the Lord. They opened up their house, and many of you have done that. Some of you have people over at your house all the time. It's like, One of our Waikiki hotels, it seems. You know, people are coming. But I believe it's the church, not just that they had hospitality. They opened up their home to operate like a church. Then it says, Greet Aponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert in Christ from Asia. Again, the Bible scholars think this could have been one of Paul's very first converts that he had, especially in the area of Asia there, Asia Minor. And I thought, isn't that interesting? He remembered, if it was one that he led to the Lord, if not, he still remembered who was the first convert to Christ in Asia Minor, and he remembered that it's a name, and to be my beloved means it's not just somebody in the past who trusted Christ and then dilly-bopped through life, but my beloved, and he would say that of someone who was full-on for God after they trusted Christ as Savior that had some kind of an impact in Paul's life, so he remembered him. So here, when I read that, I asked myself, Stan, Stan, do you remember the first person you led to the Lord? And if you do, do you remember who, when, where? Do you know where they are now? Would you be able to tell others about this person because there was a first one that came to Christ? I don't know that I could because sometimes we just kind of win them and leave them. We don't win them and stay with them. I had a wonderful Bible teacher. He's still teaching the word of God today as a Bible teacher. He's an older man now. He asked us as students in his class, he says, give me your favorite Bible verse. And we would give it and I gave him mine. I didn't know why. Later on, he showed me, he told me, and then he showed me. He said, I took your name and I wrote your name right next to your favorite Bible verse in my Bible. And he did that for so many years that when he opened up his Bible, he had a Bible that just had names of everybody he could. I mean, just the place is loaded with names. Now, some verses that everybody, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I mean, they were all over the page pointing to that one verse because that's a lot of people's favorite verse. And then he said, what I do then in my quiet time, instead of having my study Bible out for my class notes, he says, I get this Bible out and I read through this. And as I'm having my time with the Lord, I'm asking God to take that verse that I'm reading and put it into my life. I see your name there and I'm bringing your name and that verse to the Lord because I knew if you chose that verse for your life, that verse has impacted you, influenced you and your life is better and different. And then you're taking that verse to someone else's life and I'm praying for you. Isn't that cool? Maybe that's an idea you might uh, embrace yourself. How powerful that is. And it's not a very hard thing to do. Just what's your favorite word right in the Bible. You see the person pray for him. Now, I know it's gimmicky, so relax. I know it's gimmicky. And you know? I don't want to pray for you when I have that Bible. I lost my Bible, so I don't pray for you anymore. No, you don't do that. It's just a little idea. But it is something to maybe go further than say, I prayed for you this week. No, you really didn't. You just thought about me that week. That's not praying. Okay, so think a little bit more about the possibility. And so that's the first convert. Then he says, greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. The only thing I picked out of that for me, you might pick. It didn't say who worked for you. It says worked how? Hard for you. In other words, I, I put in my margin, got dirty for God. I mean, she worked so hard, she sweat. She got in there. She rolled up her sleeve. She prioritized, how can I work for you? How can I serve you? It's all about me doing something for you. I know it's about Jesus, but... I love who Jesus loves, and I serve who Jesus wants to have reach, so I work hard for you, Mary. She just didn't do it in her time off, and when she had a moment to do it, then she kind of did it. She really was full on, and she made full proof of her ministry. Then you have Andronicus and Junius, and Junius is a female name, so that may be another couple, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. I thought, oh, there's a couple fellow prisoners. I mean, they were both in jail with him, who are outstanding among the apostles. That means they had to be older. Oh, they were, who also were in Christ before me. So here's an old married couple who went to jail with him that the other apostles knew about because they were just everywhere doing something for God. So that tells me, you uh, senior saints, you know, we can still do more for God. Maybe not as much, not as heavy, not as long, but we can still do something for the Lord. And it may even mean for us have to go to jail. And I would say for us that we look at the senior saints, I pray that we put in our minds the senior saints at this church. And put them up as pictures along the walls. To remember it was through their sacrifice of life. Their work that they donated. To buy this property. To pour this concrete. To build this building. To fund all the stuff inside. These are the ones who worked hard. They're the ones that set the foundation. And kept the testimony of this church. Free from scandal. So we are known as a Bible teaching church. And never once did we move from that. These are the heroes that have worked hard before us, that we would never forget those people. And so next week when our guests come in, I hope that as you meet them and you hear that they were here, then you shake their hand and you say, I want to thank you for what you have done. I am walking on the foundation that you built right here. And I want to thank you. And I received from you that testimony and I want to give the next generation a church that is as strong as when you gave it and maybe even stronger. And so what you've done, I'm going to take that to the next generation. And that's basically what he's doing. So say hello to those people. Greet those people. They're very, very special. And I'm out of time. So we're going to end right there. I think there's enough for us to chew on. And I hope you don't think I'm beating up on you. I hope that all of this, it might just inspire us that we are very special to God. And all of these people were people that Paul said, you need to know those people. And hold that little list of church members and missionaries that are in front of you. And I want you to look at their names. And while you pray for them, slow down. Maybe you only pick a few names a day. But when you do, I want you to look at that person's name. And here's the first thing you want to do is, do I know them? How much do I know What are they going through right now? What did they teach me? How did they serve in the church? And if you don't know that, don't don't beat yourself up. Don't walk around like I'm saying, you don't know you sinners. No, I want you to look at that person and say, you know what? I need to get to know them. I, I need to find out a little bit about what they've done. I, I, I want I, I want them to know me. I want I want to say thank you to whoever they are in that group and pray for them. They might be ill right now. They might be going through some financial problems. They might have some family members that are coming against them. They might be thinking about their next stage in life. They might be, whatever they're going, you pray for those people. They are the ones that together we build. Teamwork makes the dream work. I get that, but it's one dream and one team. And so see these, are, and I know all of them have warts on them. All of them have got sin in their life somewhere. And my name's on that list too, and so is yours. But together, we're gonna work through that because the best is yet to come. And like the Apostle Paul, let's greet one another. So if someone's not here today, send them a letter. Give them a phone call. Check them up on email. See where they are on Facebook. Give them a word of affirmation. Get to know them. And I'm gonna tell you, you are gonna make their day. Let's pray. Well, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Well, Paul knew these people, and he knew them well. And as I dig deeper into this study and I read these old writings of history, I'm leaving so much out of this beautiful filet mignon of truth about each one of these people. As much as we can gain, it is only God who knows everything about them. And God knows everything about you. You are in God's mind before you're in your mother's womb. And God gave you life. You are important to God. You are a human being. But God also knows. That the only way for you to have eternal life. Is for you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. So I pray that. That part of what God knows. Will be a part of what you know now. That Jesus died and he rose again. And he's willing to. Not just hang on that cross. But resurrect again. And look at you and say, I will grant you the full forgiveness of all your sin. I knew you'd fall before I even created you, made you. And I've already provided a way of escape through Jesus Christ. So what do you do? Simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong and I know I can't get to heaven by my good deeds. But I want to have a relationship with you. You know me, but I really would like to get to know you. The first thing you need to know about Jesus Christ is he is God. Man God when he was on this earth and then he died and he rose again. and He's your savior if you trust in him. And he's your Lord if after you've trusted him now you surrender to him. And and I'm telling you, get into the book and you can know him. And together, oh, what an intimate relationship you can have. One that's better than any that's on the earth. And then as you lift up your head and open your eyes after our prayer I want you to look at a room full of people that God loves too that God knows something about too knows everything about their life and now he says perhaps to you let's get to know them so that we can commend them to others and network with one another and bring the body of Christ together for the glory of God for the strength of the church and the evangelization of the lost. So, if today you're ready to trust Christ, just simply say, "Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, but right now I'm trusting in Christ." Now, it's not a prayer as much as it is a true, genuine, full commitment of a transaction of your committing your faith to be in Christ, in Christ alone. And Jesus says, "He that believes on me has right now everlasting life." Now, you can let us know on the card if you like; it'd mean a lot to me. I'd like to get you a little booklet to help you now that you believe but I pray you trust Christ. If you've got questions, see me afterwards. I'll I'll try to answer the best I can, but I will show you the word of God. Let me do that for you. The rest of you, when you hear the word aloha next time, think about breathing life into someone else. Think about greeting one another and think about the value these other people have brought. They're on that list, on that piece of paper that's on your lap to you. Paul never said these people were perfect, but he looked at the good in them, and he celebrated that. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear, wonderful people, and how much they really hunger and thirst after you, that they want to be all that you want them to be, that they would not be comparing themselves among themselves to keep up with each other, but that, Father, through the grace that you have so bountifully given to us, we We relish that grace. And now, Father, through that, help us to love one another and help us never to forget those people that are in our past and present life and perhaps be ready to remember the new people you will be bringing into our life in the weeks and months and years ahead here. So, Lord, help us now to love each other and affirm one another and give them genuine, biblical, Christ-like aloha.